Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. The principles of honesty and integrity that Sam Lehman founded his business on continue today over 55 years later at Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Owned and operated by the Birchie family, Sam Lehman in Eureka appreciates the support they've received from their customers all over central Illinois and beyond. Visit them today at LehmanGM.com. Hope Ware is not new to the Savvy Sauce. She made her debut with our Patreon audience a few months ago when we discussed God's continued faithfulness and provision for her life. And today, we're going to hear many of Hope's creative ideas for ways to stress less about finances during the Christmas season so that we can focus more on Jesus without distraction. Here's our chat. Welcome back to the Savvy Sauce, Hope. Thank you so much for having me back again. Well, it's my pleasure. And in case anyone missed our previous chat together, will you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm Hope Ware. I've been married to my husband, Larry, for 31 years. We have four amazing sons, age 23 to 12. I'm a writer, public speaker, blogger, and in my spare time, (laughs) I teach public speaking and English lit in the high school department of our local homeschool co-op, and I sing second soprano, and I've been a featured soloist for the Heritage Ensemble. I love hearing all of those gifts and talents, and I know something else that you are passionate about is being a wise financial steward. Where did that desire originate? Well, my husband Larry and I were married in 1988 in June. And we were both making $5 an hour. And by two months later, we were broke. And I mean that seriously. Our bank account was like a cold winter day. It was just about at zero. And so I knew we needed to make some changes and make them quickly. And providentially, just about that time, a man named Larry Burkett started a half-hour radio program about handling finances God's way. And I happened to work at the radio station that had Larry Burkett's program on every weekday. So I would put his program on the air and wait until that moment to schedule my lunch hour so I could sit down for 25 minutes and listen and glean all the bits of information that I could from that program. And that was when I really, really began to get passionate about handling God's money, God's way and also living debt-free. And you and your husband were committed to living debt-free. Like you said, you raised four sons, and all of this was while living under the U.S. median for income. So what comes to mind for ways that your family has lived counterculturally in order to be wise with your finances? You know what's really interesting? It never occurred to me until like in the last few years that we were even living counterculturally. We were doing what we really felt called of God to do. And so that was the most important thing to us. But to answer your question, one of the things that we had to do in order to make this work 
So not only was our income consistently under the national median income, sometimes startlingly under the national median income, we learned very early on, and this I tell every couple that gets married, I tell them, you are a team. When you are married, you don't act independent of one another. You are bound together, not only scripturally and morally, but you are bound together to function as a team. And that's the most important thing that we did to make this work was we figured out if we worked as a team, we could make progress and we can move forward toward goals that honestly seemed almost completely, totally unreachable. We would tell people goals and they're like, "Mm -mm, ain't no way that's ever going to happen. We're like, you know what? We are together. We are working as a team and we are going to make progress. So the second thing we did to make this work was we cut expenses. I became one of those ladies that like scoured every bit of information. At one point, I like borrowed almost every book from the public library and this section on like budgeting and that kind of thing. (laughs) I read and I researched to figure out answers to how to make this work. And we began to cut expenses in every category that we could. People get stuck They get stuck where they're at because they believe erroneously that they cannot cut expenses. It's a matter of knowing how to do it. The third thing that we did was we came together and we said, when we became parents, we would create deliberately ways to give our children memories rather than experiences that cost money. And we, we said this to each other. We said, you know what? Our kids may not grow up with a lot of money, that, but they will grow up with a lot of fun. And we began to research ways that we could create memories. So, for instance, an experience to us is going out to eat. That's an experience. It's not a necessity. It's an experience. Most children have it growing up. But we decided because we really could not afford to take them out to eat. Instead of that experience, we would create a memory So every Friday night when the weather was nice enough, we would pack up whatever I had made for supper and we would take it to a local park and we would take a board game with us. We would take the Bible with us. We would take a read aloud with us. We would take the Frisbee with us. We would deliberately take something with us that would cause us to interact as a family and create those memories rather than giving them the experience of going out to eat. And when our oldest son left for college, he said, Mom, Dad, I want one thing before we before I leave. And I said, great, what's that? And he said, I want to go on one more Friday night picnic. The day before I leave to go to college, I want another picnic. And we said, done. That was so important to them. And both of my sons who are grown will come to me and say, thank you for that. That was our very favorite memory growing up. It's really helpful to hear these practical ideas. And so going back to what you were saying about cutting expenses now, too, what are a few examples of expenses that you were able to cut? Okay. So um, we cloth diapered our babies. I made all of our own baby food. We accepted hand-me-downs gratefully. I hung laundry on the line as long as I could throughout the year. Once I found out it took an average of 50 cents a load to dry laundry in the electric dryer. 
I dedicated myself to hanging laundry on the line. I made all of our food from scratch. We drove the car only when it was necessary to drive the car. We never had cable television or satellite TV. And here's the kicker. Are you ready? We did not own a cell phone until two years ago. Okay, my mouth just dropped open for that one. That's amazing. Tell me more. (laughs) So we just decided that a cell phone was a luxury, not a necessity. And I will say about six years before we got the cell phone, maybe a little more than that, uh, my husband did have a cell phone that he carried from work. And so in truth, if we had needed to use that cell phone to make a personal phone call, we could have, but it was not our cell phone. And so I did not get a cell phone until my husband was hospitalized very unexpectedly with end stage heart failure after a virus attacked his heart and left it barely beating. And I called one of our grown sons and I said, I need a cell phone. I need it connected to service and I need it by tonight. And he said, done. And that was two years ago. And that was when I thought, okay, now it's a necessity. Absolutely. And that it was provided then you had the means at that point to purchase it. Is that right? We did. (laughs) By that point, our budget, I I went through that budget in in what I call a New York second. (laughs) It it took me about 10 minutes to carve out $50 a month for a cell phone bill. Looking back, so this budgeting, I think you said started in 1988, and you're still doing this to this day. You're still doing a monthly budget. I am. In fact, my husband and I still have budget meetings. Now, when we started in 1988, it was monthly and sometimes weekly if something came up that needed our attention. We now have quarterly budget meetings, and he asks me at the first of the month, is there anything I need to know? So we have them less frequently, but yes, we still have budget meetings, and I still track every single penny that comes and goes from this house. When you were in conversation with other people who were living in a different way, did you feel less strapped for time because of these choices with your finances? There wasn't a lot pulling on us. That was the one thing I noticed. When we, in conversations with other people, it wasn't they were recklessly spending money. Sometimes they were handling their money well. They just had more money than we did. And therefore, they were able to afford these things We didn't have a lot of monthly bills coming in. What that did was allow us the privilege of planning for the great big nearly impossible goal of paying cash for our current home. Had we had any of those expenses and had we become accustomed to having those things in our life, There's no way that we would have been able to carve out enough money from our income to save enough to pay cash for a home. And yet that was one of your big goals and you met it through living this diligent lifestyle. And I guess that question comes from my husband and I have never paid for cable television as well. And I do think if anybody ever asks, how do you find the time to do the podcast while raising kids? Or how do you find the time to read or whatever the priority is? I think the reason why some of these things happen are because I choose not to watch TV. Not that that's wrong, 
but it's amazing how much time I have to do these other endeavors. And yet you took this so many steps further. So that's where that question came from. That was the one thing that we noticed is we had a lot of time to spend with our children while they were growing up because we didn't have these other things pulling on us. We had time and that's what we were able to give them. And even in this season, as we're approaching Christmas, there are many extra expenses that come up. And I think we'd all want to hear a few of your best money-saving tips, specifically that apply to this time of year. So let's just start with creative ways we can earn extra money. Do you have any tips for that? Well, the first thing that I want people to do is create their Christmas budget. Before you even start thinking, how do I get more money for Christmas? Create a budget. And your Christmas budget is not just gifts. That's where people make an error. They forget that there are a lot of other expenses that happen specifically at this time of year. Are you going to need to buy more gift wrap? Are you going to go to some special occasions? Are you going to ship all kinds of gifts to grandpa and grandma and aunts and uncles? So make sure, first of all, that your Christmas budget is inclusive of everything that you need for the Christmas season. Then once you get that budget set up, if you think, I really think that this is a little more than I anticipated. Here are some tips of ways that you can create some extra room in your Christmas budget. I give the unpopular ones first. The unpopular ones are to cut back on your gift recipient list. Okay, not popular, but we have had to do it more than once. The other thing you can do is cut back on the amount that you're spending on each gift. When you create that gift list, I want every person that you're going to give a gift to listed and beside it, I want you to list how much money you intend to spend on a gift for that person and stick to that budget. So you should know about how much you're going to spend. And if there's not enough Christmas cash, you might need to cut back a little bit on how much you're spending on each gift. The other things you can do are sell unwanted or unneeded items that are in still really good shape. People are in the buying mood at Christmas. And we did this last Christmas season. We sold a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace. It is a free venue to list your items and sell your items. They take no commission. And so you can sell items that you don't use, especially if they're still wrapped and they're in great shape. People will buy your items. So get them listed. Take some really great photographs. Make sure your lighting is good. Make sure that you use proper English language and syntax to describe your item. Price your items well. We go to eBay, see what those items are, are selling for, and then we reduce that price by about 30%. And that's what we list it for because we want to sell it and get it out of our house. And these items, if you do that and you're absolutely honest, if there is a defect or something wrong or whatever with the item, be honest, reveal it all, and people will buy your items if you do all of those things. The next thing that you can do is get a seasonal job. All kinds of businesses are hiring people specifically for the Christmas season, and you can get some good hours during the Christmas season. And then if you don't like the job, you could keep the job. Maybe they'll offer you a job after the Christmas season. But for the most part, after Christmas is over, then 
you're going to be done with that commitment until the following Christmas season. Uh, the next thing that you could do is you could use DIY ideas for gifts and homemade food items to cut back on the amount you're spending on each gift. We did this a lot. And in the age of the Internet, boy, you can find all kinds of really cute, really amazing things that you can do yourself and you can gift to people. And it's a really thoughtful way to show that you love and appreciate people by physically making things for them and get your kids involved. My kids love being involved in my DIY Christmas ideas. And the final thing you can do if you're really desperate for cash, you can go to various places and you can donate your plasma. Plasma is the uh, clear part of your blood. And um, unlike donating blood, it takes a little bit longer, but like it doesn't take blood from your system. It recycles it. You're not exhausted afterwards. It takes a little bit of time. But you can make um, a couple of hundred bucks a month donating plasma. And now a brief message from our sponsor. Sam Lehman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka has been owned and operated by the Birchie family for over 25 years. A lot has changed in the car business since Sam and Steven's grandfather, Sam Lehman, opened his first Chevrolet dealership over 55 years ago. If you visit their dealership today, though, you'll find that not everything has changed. They still operate their dealership like their grandfather did, with honesty and integrity. Sam and Steven understand that you have many different choices in where you buy or service your vehicle. This is why they do everything they can to make the car buying process as easy and hassle-free as possible. They are thankful for the many lasting friendships that began with a simple, welcome to Sam Layman's. Their customers keep coming back because they experience something different. I've known Sam and Steven and their wives my entire life, and I can vouch for their character and integrity, which makes it easy to highly recommend you check them out today. Your car buying process doesn't have to be something you dread. So come see for yourself at Sam Layman Chevrolet Buick in Eureka. Sam and Steven would love to see you, and they appreciate your business. Learn more at their website, laymaneureka.com, or visit them on Facebook by searching for Sam Layman Eureka. You can also call them at 309-467-2351. Thanks for your sponsorship. I know that you are very passionate to let people know Christmas is not just about the money. And yet, I think you raise a really valid point that we all do spend a lot more this time of year. So it's really helpful to have some tools in our back pocket. And now as you think back on your family, especially pre-COVID, what were some fun family Christmas traditions that you did that were free? And I do want to insert a little disclaimer here. Some of this may not be possible this year, but I think it's going to be fun to reflect on what you've done in the past and dream a little for the future when some of these options may be available to us again. I'm going to give you 10 really quick ways that you can spend time together as a family during Christmas and it will not cost you any money. All right, number one, business holiday open houses. These are like way fun because you can go there. It's very festive. There's usually some music playing. There's special discounts at that business. Uh, during the Christmas open house. Number two, gingerbread house making. You can get a kit or you can do this yourself from scratch. I've done it from scratch. And believe me, the kits turned out better than my, my from scratch gingerbread. But you can certainly make gingerbread from scratch and make royal icing and put together the gingerbread houses yourself. Also, a lot of different places like local park districts. Look in your park district like Flyer 
or your library flyer, and you will find like gingerbread making classes you can take together as a family. They're very inexpensive. I think the most we paid to take one was like five bucks. Seriously. And the whole family could go and make gingerbread houses. And I found out that the, like the librarians are much better at making royal icing and gingerbread house parts than I was. (laughs) Number three, Historic districts often have holiday open house tours and they are very inexpensive. But if you really want to do it inexpensively, volunteer to help with the open houses. My son loves history, my oldest son. And so he would often volunteer to be one of the people who was in costume at the historic homes. And I would go with him and dress up too. And we had a blast. And so we got to like interact with all the people coming through and pretend to be somebody that was like from the 1940s or whatever era the house was displaying at that time. And they would give us costumes to wear. And it was so much fun. Okay, the next idea, serve a meal at your local homeless shelter. We have done this. It is very, very gratifying. I cannot tell you to to give to someone who honestly, honestly has less than you do during the Christmas season, and it will be meaningful for your children to take part in that. Uh, See a festival of lights. In our area, we have a huge, huge festival of lights. These light festivals are becoming very popular. Oftentimes, even if you don't have a festival of lights, they will have a special area like the park district will decorate trees. They'll have various businesses come in and thematically decorate trees in an area. And for a couple of bucks, you can go through and see all of the trees. Or in our area too, there's an interdenominational organization that has a huge, huge display of like crushes. And you can go in and view all of the beautiful, beautiful crushes. And it's very meaningful at Christmas time. Uh, tree trimming and house decorating. We forget that this is actually an event. For us, it is. Our boys are at a stage in life where they do the decorating. And Larry and I like sip coffee and we direct them from the sidelines as to where where we would like to have things placed. And they love it. Oh, my gosh. They have a blast and they laugh so hysterically decorating the house together for Christmas. Uh, we do it the day after Thanksgiving. So we do it the same day every year. And if you want a festive decoration, get yourself a pickle ornament. Now, pickle ornaments originated in Germany. And it's literally a Christmas ornament that is shaped like a big pickle. And so the whole idea of the pickle ornament is my kids don't put that on the tree. I do. So the adult, the kids leave the room. The adult puts it on the tree and kind of tries to hide the pickle ornament and make it difficult to find. And the first child who finds the pickle ornament gets a special gift. And for us, it's one of those big candy bars, you know, not like the regular size ones, the ones that are like the jumbo candy bars. Every year, that is the prize for finding the pickle ornament. And there is high competition to find that ornament after I put it on the tree. And my youngest son, actually, seriously, my older boys could not find it. I put it like level with a branch right on top of a branch and it was hard to find. He found it last year and he was so excited that he had found it before his older siblings did. Uh, Go to the Santa Claus parade if you have one. Another idea, municipal tree lighting ceremonies. Most municipalities have them. Christmas candlelight walks, also another free thing. Christmas pageants and concerts. Most area churches, you'll have three or four churches that have very well presented Christmas pageants. And they're like 
professionally lighted and they've got great music. And oftentimes those are absolutely free to attend. But if you plan to attend, make sure you figure out how to get tickets in advance because a lot of times the tickets are free, but they do sell out the free tickets pretty early in the season. Those are awesome ideas. And I've never heard of the Christmas pickle ornament before. But I do know where you and I live, it's often too cold to go outside during winter break. And so for others listening who also can't be outdoors when their children are out of school, what are some activities that we can do with our kids specifically during winter break that also won't break the bank? I love this question because I love to come up with really interesting, creative ways to spend time with the kids that don't cost a lot of money. So here are things that we have done in no specific order. (laughs) Family read-alouds. I love read-alouds. And even my oldest sons will ask for read-alouds. I read aloud to them for hours on end while they were growing up, and they absolutely adored it. Audiobooks. So if you don't want to read aloud, if you want to do an audiobook, that's also a great idea. Um, focus on the family. Does some really, really high quality classic stories that are in audiobook form. And I absolutely recommend them. Uh, have a day, one day where you binge watch a television show. So <laughs> pick a show that everybody's going to enjoy. Pop yourself some popcorn, get some snacks ready, and just sit in your pajamas together and watch a show. You can't do it for eight hours at a time. Although we did watch one movie once that had three parts, and it was like a several-hour commitment <laughs> for us to do it. So binge watch a show. Have an art day. Now, you can either get out art supplies. We have an art closet in my house. And you can either get out all the supplies and pile them on the table. And it's just like free range. You can do whatever you want with these art supplies and have like a little prize for the person who puts together the most interesting. Or you can say, make a piece of art that is at least two feet tall. And so you can, you know, like the parents can judge and say, oh, I think this is the most interesting one, or this is the one that actually held together without toppling over. So you can make the rules however you want, but it's always fun to sort of make it an interesting day when everybody's making something a little bit different. The other thing you can do is make it like, you know, those places that you go and you actually pay a fee where an artist will show you all how to make the same painting. It's like that. Only you Google and on the internet, on YouTube, you can find tutorials from artists who are actually professional artists that show you how to create a piece of artwork. So you got to find that ahead of time and then gather all the materials to make that piece of artwork. And literally everybody sits and watches the, the video and tries their best to recreate that artistic expression on their piece of canvas or art paper, and it is so much fun. And then you got to hang them up on a wall, right? So you got to find a like a hallway that doesn't have anything on it, like pictures hung. And then you got to you got to do your family art gallery and leave it up. So like people who are visiting in the next couple of weeks can see your like finished art gallery. Play a game to see who can create the best shadow characters on the wall. And we did this. I found out my kids were better at it than I was. I pretty much began and ended with the little two fingers up to create the bunny. And I was done after that. Uh, Board games are so much fun. Make them fun. Not real um, heavy competition. There are a couple of games that actually have been banned in our house. Aggravation being one of them because my husband (laughs) kept 
And it was within the rules. He kept jumping on the kids' markers right before they went into the safe area. And the kids, after four or five rounds, said, Dad is no longer allowed to play aggravation. <laughs> uh, charade, so much fun. You can even go online and like Google different charade clues. If you don't want to make up your own, you can find lists of charade clues online. Uh, work puzzles together. One of my favorite memories growing up is every winter, my mother would have a card table set up in the dining room pretty much permanently, and she and I would work puzzles together. So I love the idea of working puzzles together as a family. Build a blanket fort. If you have young kids, build a huge, I mean huge blanket fort. Get all the blankets out. Get the clothespins out. It can be like a huge, it can take up one whole room. I tell you from experience. And then the kids can get in there with flashlights and like read books and stuff. So that is so much fun. Blanket forts. Drive around and just look at Christmas lights. We did this when I was a kid and we still do it with our children to this day. If there's a neighborhood that's heavily decorated, we'll just say, get in the car. We're going out and we're just going to drive around and look at Christmas lights, but pre-warm the car because you don't want to drive for a quarter or three quarters of a mile before it starts warming up and everybody is frigid. So (laughs) pre-warm the car ahead of time. Bake cookies or snacks, have a bake-off. Divide your family into two teams. Each team has the same ingredients, and you have to make something with those ingredients. And finally, if it's warm enough and you dare to go outside, you can go sledding or take a winter walk. And our family tradition is if we've gone sledding or even if we've all gone out to shovel the drive, which can be, okay, it's a family togetherness thing, but not necessarily that much fun. After we have shoveled the drive, we come in and we have animal crackers and hot cocoa. There are so many good ideas that you just mentioned, and I think it can get us thinking of our own ideas or which ones of those we want to grab and try this year. And what recommendations do you have to stay on budget for groceries and hospitality during the Christmas season? Well, the first thing you have to remember is that people who come to your home when you're practicing hospitality are not looking for you to make them a five-course meal. They simply want to come over and spend time with you. So the first piece of advice that I have for everybody is what we call KISS, K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple. You don't have to do anything exotic for your friends. We have some friends that we have known for over 30 years, and we have been together for lots and lots and lots of parties. So here are some ideas. Try something. Create a bar. And that sounds bad on a Christian broadcast, but what I mean is try to create something that is like a taco bar or a baked potato bar a soup bar, we have done all of these as couples, a salad bar, an appetizer bar, everybody bring their favorite appetizer, or here's another one, do breakfast. We had a 50th birthday party for one of the people in our group, and everybody got together for breakfast. It was such a blast. Try a progressive dinner. We've done this several times, too. I grew up in the 1960s and 70s, and this was so popular in the 70s. Everybody was doing progressive dinners. So you go to one person's house for appetizers. Then you go to the next person's house for the main meal, and then you go to the next person's house for dessert. That's a progressive dinner. The great part about doing this during the holiday season is, A, everybody's house gets cleaned, and B, All of your friends get to come over and see your decorating. You get to see everybody else's house decorated. And really, that's part of the fun, isn't it? To kind of see everybody's house glammed up. And this way, everybody gets to see everybody else's house. 
because the next idea is to consider contributing items that don't use exotic ingredients. Some of the best food is made from ingredients that cost less than a dollar. Bake and cook from scratch. If you can, bake ahead and freeze until the day of the party. That's even better. Look for seasonal deals on baking supplies. Every Christmas, you'll find things like chocolate chips and flour on sale at fantastically low prices. Cranberries, that's the other thing you're going to find really, really low price during the holiday season. And by the way, as a bonus, cranberries, if you find them on sale at a great price, freeze very, very well. All you got to do is keep them in the bag, throw them in the freezer, and then they're ready for when you want them later in the year when they're not so inexpensive. Hey there, have you taken any specific action after listening to any of these episodes? Did you purchase a resource that set you on a better path in your life or try out any of the suggestions for your relationships that our guests have recommended? If so, we want to see and hear about it please tag us on Instagram or Facebook so we can see your practical application. It's so encouraging to be in this together. You can find us on social media at The Savvy Sauce. Lauren, our social media lead, pours a ton of work into creating and managing that platform. And we look forward to continuing the conversation with you there. How do you advise we live and make financial decisions the rest of the year? in order to make our finances at Christmas not feel like an extra burden? Whether it is Christmas or not, number one, you need a written budget. To make a written budget, you need to know exactly what you're spending every month. Track your expenses for 30 days, and believe me, they will begin to automatically fall into different categories because if you don't know how much you're spending, you don't know how much you can spend. You just spend whatever you feel like you need to spend. But I want you to spend money that you know is already there. You need a list of short, medium, and long-term goals, and you need a plan for getting out of debt and staying out of debt and living debt-free. So you need that before you even start on thinking about Christmas. Once you have that in order, begin saving for Christmas on January 1st. Decide ahead of time how much money you are going to spend on Christmas. Take that amount Divide it by 12 and save that amount every single month leading up to Christmas. The next thing that you can do is look for holiday themed items right after the first of the year. That is generally when they really hit that drastic markdown of 75 to 90 percent off. I store these items in a labeled Rubbermaid tub and stick it somewhere in my garage. So when I get ready to plan for Christmas, I'm going to get that tub out. That's the first thing I'm going to do is look and see what items I already have in that tub that I can gift for Christmas when December rolls around. And by the way, I do the same thing with every other category of gift. You need to think of gift giving in terms of major holidays. Once that holiday has passed, you wait just a few days and start looking for those markdown deals of 75 to 90% off. You can get a number of items after Valentine's Day, Easter, Thanksgiving that are in that holiday themed section that do not look like they are designed specifically for that holiday and get a stash of gifts that you have set aside to give for different occasions that you have purchased literally for pennies on the dollar. How can we lean into this season as an opportunity to teach our children a biblical view of finances? The first thing that we let our children know was that Christmas 
is a wonderful time of the year, but it's not their birthday. And the gifts that we receive are because we are giving in honor of the birthday of our Savior. So we're giving gifts in order to thank God for the most precious gift that he gave to us, which was his son. So in recognizing that and honoring that, we are also going to make sure that we give to others. So when our children give gifts, they're actually giving out of the amount that they know we have set aside specifically for giving at Christmas. We've done lots of things through the years to really help our children to encapsulate this in their own lives and to really hold on to the idea of giving to others. So here are some ideas that we have done that will fit into anyone's Christmas budget. It doesn't matter what your Christmas budget is. You can incorporate these ideas into your life. Every year in our Christmas gift budget that we will give to the Salvation Army, then we go to the bank and we get that money in $1 bills. Then every time we come across a red kettle, my children have the thrill and privilege of going up to that kettle with their dollar and putting it into the red kettle. And we repeat that process Hopefully with every red kettle that we see throughout the Christmas season. Other ideas. We have set aside a specific part of our budget and given to Samaritan's Purse, their Christmas shoebox campaign. And we gave our children each $20 and said, you may go and you may pick out whatever gifts you would like to give to a boy your age. And they knew that they were filling that shoebox. We would get the shoebox and take it with us to the store because they wanted to make sure what they were getting would fit in the shoebox. And we made it a festive celebration of going out to a store and filling that shoebox lovingly with things that they had handpicked. And then do make sure when you get that shoebox ready, you have a picture of your child in there and a handwritten note from them to that child that they are gifting all the items in that shoebox to. Another idea is World Vision. World Vision has a fantastic Christmas catalog. You can view it online. This Christmas catalog is full of ideas that you may gift to a needy family in a third world country. They are very practical items. Like you can give chickens, you can give goats, you can give a milk cow. All of these items are to help these families with one simple thing, sustainability of their actual lives. And one year, things were like super, super tight. The catalog came and they said, Mom, Dad, are we going to be able to give a chicken or a cow? Or what are we going to give this year? And Larry and I looked at each other because we knew that it was tight. And we said, oh, we don't know. And they said, we're going to be able to do it, aren't we? And we said, you know, we don't know. And they said, well, how much can we have? And we said, we, we don't know if there's actually any money to give. And they said, how much are you going to spend on us? And we said, why? And they said, because we want to give part of our Christmas gift money to these needy children. And they did it. And we let them do it. You know why? Because when I came home to be with our children, I quit work and cut our budget nearly by 40%. And I prayed and I begged God to never put me in a position where I couldn't give when I felt the Holy Spirit asking me to give. And I was not going to put myself in the position of telling my children, oh, no, no, you can't do that, when it was very clear that the Holy Spirit was telling them to give. So we let them do it. 
And I'm sure that is such a powerful memory for them still to this day. Do you have any other memories of ways God pulled through for your family, specifically as it relates to Christmas on a shoestring budget? The biggest memory that I have, this was a way that I knew that our children were really taking the principles that we were sharing with them and incorporating them into their own lives. Because the one thing we want as parents is to know that our children aren't doing things because we've told them that's the right thing to do. We tell our children we do the right thing because this is what God says is the right thing, not because mom and dad say it's the right thing. And for Christmas every year, they wanted to give to one another. And clearly they didn't have a lot of money in which to do that. So instead, what they would do every single year is they would go through and find a possession that they owned that was a precious thing to them or something that they knew that their sibling really, really would enjoy. And they would wrap up those things that they already owned. They would wrap it up and put one of their siblings names on it. And that sibling would get to open that gift for Christmas. And I saw my children do this over and over and over again at Christmas. And sometimes it was something that was really hard for them to give to a sibling, but they did it out of love and kindness for that sibling. I think there's even character development that happens in those kind of situations. Ideally, today this chat will help lighten the financial load for someone listening so that they can focus on the true meaning of Christmas without unnecessary distractions or extra stress. So what does that look like in your family? In our family, we actually have a specific three-pronged holiday strategies. So it's be, be authentic and be honest. Those are the Bs. There's nothing more wonderful than sharing warm memories with friends and family at Christmas. We all want to do that. However, the pressure to attend functions and spend money, it is very real. So you can't do it all. That's the first thing you know is you can't do it all. Physically, financially, emotionally, you can't do it. So don't try. Instead, be upfront. Be honest with every single person who comes to you with a request or an expectation. Be authentic and be honest. The second prong of our strategy is to set, set realistic expectations and boundaries. Boundaries are huge with or without the holiday season. Uh, when it comes to family dynamics, boundaries are huge. It is okay to tell your siblings you can't give $100 this year toward mom and dad's gift. It's okay to do that. It's okay to set those boundaries. It's okay to tell your friends you'd love to meet them for coffee after they go out to dinner because you really, you don't have the money this month to go out to dinner. You've already, we always said we've already, you know, allocated our entertainment budget this month or better yet, have everybody to your house. <laughs> we are afraid to give ourselves permission to set boundaries with people. But if those boundaries are loving and they're kind and those people have a great relationship with you, those boundaries should be okay. Set expectations to say, I can't do it all. I can't give it all. I can't attend it all. And that is okay. Prong number three strategy, create. 
create margin and create memories. If your December calendar is giving you hives to look at it, it's okay to deliberately and systematically set aside some margin for yourself and say, these two nights, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to commit ourselves to going anywhere, to being with anybody. We're going to sit in a room. We're going to sip some hot cocoa. We're going to read a book together as a family. And we're going to do it in the living room where we can do it by the light of the Christmas tree. That's a good thing to be able to do. Memories don't have to involve money. They involve time. They involve care. They involve loving one another, but they don't have to involve money. Well, Hope, is there any final encouragement you want to offer listeners during this season? Remember to schedule in time for quiet reflection and fellowship together. That is the best, most important thing that you can do because otherwise you'll get to the end of the season and you'll feel like you missed it in that rush of obligation overload. Take time to really be together as a family. And if listeners are intrigued and they want to read more online, where can they find you? I blog over at underthemedian.com, under the median, M-E-D-I-A-N, named for the fact that we raised our four sons debt-free on an income which was consistently under the national U.S. median income. So you'll also find Under the Median on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We will link to all of that in our show notes and on our resources tab. Hope, we are called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so I'd love to ask you as my final question today, what is your Savvy Sauce? Oh, I love the holidays because they bring everybody into conjunction, whether they're a believer or whether they're not, into recognizing that Christmas is the birth of Jesus. That's what it is. So take time during Christmas to really, really come together and celebrate Jesus. Take time to remember all those things that God has done for your family throughout the last year and take time to remember who he is, why he was born, thank him for being our savior and thank him for providing amazing, amazingly for our family. Hope, I have very much enjoyed hearing all of your creative tips for saving money during this precious season, and I think your enthusiasm will be contagious to everyone listening. Thank you for being my returning guest today. You are so welcome. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news, and I want to share the best news with you. But it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a savior. But God loved us so much, he made a way for his only son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life, 
we could never live and died in our place for our sin. This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished, if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him. You get the opportunity to live your life for him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally, which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.